welcome, uh, listener, to our part two of our series, uh, Conversation with Grace. Uh, this is sort of our Women of Color and Proximate Whiteness series that we're continuing. Uh, but we had, if you watched the last video, we had a great conversation with Grace. Uh, she kind of led us to some very different uh, tangents that we kind of went off to and, and talked about. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think they all sort of uh, look at white supremacy and the proximity of whiteness and how much that's really impacted all of us. So we're going to continue that. Um, if you are new to our, our channel, our, our podcast, my name is Lisette and my co-host name is Martina. And we are perspectives. Uh, so thank you for, for joining in. Uh, and you know what? We're just going to dig in. We're kind of, you know, we're warmed up and we're just going to dig in to this, this idea that Grace kind of brought to us. I will say when we were talking off camera uh, and sort of prepping for, for our episode, uh, and she brought, I mean, we talked about, you know, proximity to whiteness and what it meant to me and what it meant to Martina. And then she shared something. I was like, wait, what? I have never heard of it being described this way. I was, and it just kind of uh, just changed my perspective, no pun intended, but it definitely changed my perspective as far as, you know, uh, proximity to whiteness. So just to dig in, I'm going to really just turn it over to Grace uh, and for her to share what proximity to whiteness means, her understanding of it. And then, you know, like last time, we'll just kind of have a conversation and and who knows what tangents will be let on at this part too. Yeah, so, you know, in, in terms of my my perspective and my proximity to whiteness, um, hearing you guys talk about it, I, it, I think about it as Japanese whiteness. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll, let me, I'll backtrack a little bit. So my father is Taiwanese. He grew up and he was born in Japan occupied Taiwan. And, that means, so he, his parents, my grandparents had a Japanese style wedding. So I referred to them as, as, you know, obachang and ojichang and spoke very rudimentary Japanese with them. On top of the Taiwanese, on top of the Mandarin, um, there was Japanese within our household a little bit, um, but they're not Japanese. And the Japanese were a pretty, I mean, they were a pretty intense force in Taiwan and there are, it, it's pretty clear that my grandparents were not impacted as and they were not fighting against the Japanese because the Taiwanese who fought against the Japanese, their children and, and you know, um, and whatnot, they actually um, have very strong reactivity to the Japanese uh, versus mine where there was assimilation into the whiteness of the Japanese, or, or let's let's call it the Japanese, um, but there is there is a tinge of of whiteness within that, and so that's the perspective that I take in terms of what that means. You know, the the you guys were talking about, um, you know, being out in the sun and this lightness and and all of these things that lead to white, and for me, I'm seeing within all of this going oh my goodness, it's so much more than, you know, white American or Eurocentric whiteness. I mean, maybe there's some, some root of it within that, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's, there's something 
that is even within the Chinese cultures um, and all of these cultures. And where does that, digging into that, I'm like, I don't think that that was purely coming from a Eurocentric um, occupying force. Uh, and, and so if I think about it and I think back to, you know, all of those times my aunts ever made some comment about how much darker I was than their children or all of those things, um, I'm realizing, oh, it's an elitism. It is, if, if you are dark, you are outside, which means you've worked in a field, which means you weren't inside and being attended to. You didn't have, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and it, it goes to Martina, I think what you were talking about, which is like, you know, how you get heated over education and like this idea of like being more educated and that proximity to whiteness. And that's exactly what that is. I just have it, I see it in a, maybe can I say in an un-American or in a much more international based perspective where it's not specifically the white supremacy of America or a Eurocentric one, but across the board, that whiteness, where is that? What is that? What is that? <laughs> no, and, and you you are allowed to say that. As we, as we, <laughs> you and I always say, it's our, our perspectives, it's what, it's our lived experience, it's what we've seen. So we, we won't, we will never uh, try to yeah. suppress that unless it's completely just, Racist, something. We'll be like, no, 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 no. Uh, we 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 have that. Oh, it is not a tangent. <laughs> but no, and and I, when I mentioned earlier, sort of the 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 perspective that you brought, and something that I, I hadn't thought about, that maybe white supremacy isn't all about this American or you know Eurocentric sort of thing. Maybe it's rooted in just. Uh, somewhere else or there's just this idea that where it came from you might not really know but how it's executed and how it's brought in, in other cultures and in other ethnicities and other countries um can be very different from like my understanding and I think that's what really kind of made me think it even right now when you said you know it's it's an elite thing right uh and, and sort of heard it like that I had never, I had never thought about it or heard it in sort of that that sense, and and maybe like I'm I'm about to after we're done here, I'm about to go ask my mom and see if she's ever heard about it, you know, like this elite thing, like from her perspective, because I'm just curious to kind of hear, because, uh, you know, there there is that uh, thing in Mexico, and there was that caste system at some point, um, around it, but just that idea of like you know the you know people that have seen darker were working in the fields, you weren't, you know, you're you're doing this sort of less than kind of job or, or or work versus you staying indoors and you're being you know attended to and you're able to stay away from the sun and kind of thing and it gives you it gives you away right away where you fall in, in in the system right like if you're very light then you're you're sort of the hierarchy of it all right like and in, in, in seeing that uh but martina like i'll, I'll let you kind of because i'm still processing a lot of what grace said you know, the first thing when Grace said, like being in the house and out in the field, you know, I thought about slavery. That is the first thing that came yeah. in American slavery in the South yeah, yeah. here. Um, where, you know, almost all of us know if you were light skinned or, you know, of course in the South, I don't know how many people 
are familiar with it, but there's like the, uh, it's the, it's the brown paper bag rule test. Like if you're lighter than a brown paper bag, you're considered all right. Um, and so <laughs> in the, yes, in, in, in this, in, well, and that's still a thing that I hear about in the South and anybody from the South listening or watching, let me know if you've, if you still have heard that term too, because I can tell it is still kind of a thing. But yes, in slavery, of course, it was the lighter, more fair-skinned Blacks that were in the house and the darker skin were out in the field. And of course, if, yes, if you're out in the sun, you're going to get darker. Um, and oftentimes, you know, slave master, well, he had his way with all the women, dark, light, whatever. Uh, but just because you were in the house didn't mean you were safe. You know, you still, you may have been brutal. I mean, you were brutalized and just a different way than possibly somebody who was out in the field. And women in the field were not safe, definitely not. Um, they were being raped and sexually assaulted and God knows whatever else. Um, gave rise to children who were probably fair skinned and their children oftentimes um, who, if they were lighter enough, would often end up in the house because they were fair skinned. So children was pulled away from their mothers who were still out in the field. So that, that's just what kind of made me think about that and how it is this, it's kind of like this universal thing. It's not just an, like an American type of way of, of thinking about being closer to white or their proximity to white. I mean, obviously via the story Grace just told, this runs rampant in other cultures. And it's just, it's so fascinating because it's like, you know, and it's something I think I'm, I'm still wondering myself, where does this, this whiteness, it, like we said, it, it equates to clean or just being better. And it's just this, this idea that just runs deep in almost every part of the world. And it's, it's not just an Americanized you know, idea of white supremacy. Yeah. Yeah, what, what all of this started to make me think about was sort of the stepping away from tribal culture and and from like into like civilization yeah. and so it's in that and to to go back to go back to that into something that is more native culture because there are native cultures in Taiwan in all of these places there are the native cultures and then there's the whatever has come since and in in the civilized construct that we all are living in right and and sort of something there's something within there that I think is part of this too because when did when did education in a school or a, the, a specific type of education become more more important or more valid than the lived experience which is what we're talking about right because our lived experience is absolutely real and in education and, and part of that, that cannot be discounted. Yes. Right. Um, and yet we somehow in, in whatever this construct is hold a higher value to a particular way of speaking or way of X, Y, and Z because it signals to that, whatever that is. And that in this context and these perspectives is that proximity to whiteness. Colonization, colonization, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. And when you when you said that, 
that touch on tribal and what is considered civilized. That is true, a lot of societies that are deemed less than come from tribal, tribal backgrounds, or, or that's just a part of their heritage is tribal. And I think about Mexican-American, uh, African-Americans, it, it, you know, just make that comparison there. But it is, it's a lot of this idea that wanted to erase people's history to me, erase where they come from to fit, again, fit in this box to fit a standard of what's supposed to be respectable or civilized or proper and telling people that where you come from is simply not that. Hmm. I think uh, um, that was awesome. a deep one. That was deep. Yeah, I'm processing. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> processing when Grace said it. <laughs> I had again. I mean, it's like it's there. It's that correlation that's there. But Lisette, I think I don't think you and I have ever called it that. I don't know if we've called it, it. It is this elitism that again is by being white or that proximity to white, you think you're gonna have. And if you're anything else, you're not, yeah. you're just not elite. You're not in that, you're not in that category. Yeah, and it, and it makes me, Grace, you kind of make me think about, um, when you say the Bible and sort of when I think about, uh, you know, Native American indigenous mm -hmm. uh, and even in my own thought, like I never, grew up thinking indigenous is me, like I'm indigenous. But I remember when I I was I did my ancestry DNA and it said, you know, indigenous certain percentage. And I was like, indigenous. Because nothing it never it kind of like threw me off. And I, you know, went back and I was like, well of course you are like you're of course you're gonna be that percentage because it's like nobody talks like we don't talk about, you know, Mexican sort of heritage in a in a native indigenous way, at least at least not in my sort of circle. It isn't until recently that I've kind of seen it pop up more, uh, even like mainstream kind of social media kind of way that, you know, it's connecting and, and, and recognizing that, no, if you're Mexican, like full on, you know, Mexican and, you know, you have that, like you're indigenous, like that's your root is that and, uh, and seeing that but also as kind of just studying a little bit and, and making that connection of like, you know, you, you are, you know, even in Mexico, like if you are sort of just associated more towards, you know, you being indigenous or you, you look indigenous or whatever the thing is, like there are people who think you're less than, you're less educated, you're, you're less that. And, and to kind of make that, that connection, what you just mentioned of it and, and who deemed it that way. Right. Cause you know, we talk about like our lived experiences, stories that are kind of given down from generation to generation, like those are all, that's history, you know, it may not be written down, it may not be like in some formal book that will justify it as, you know, a historical record, but you know, this, this, you know, verbal history, this sort of oral history that, that um, a lot of indigenous cultures depend on and, and, and sort of still use to this day, no, but is not recognized as valid history because it's not written down or whatever the standard is for it to be a historical record and, and things like that. And you kind of just made me think of that and how much this idea of whiteness kind of influences even that, like even how we, we, we think about it and, 
you know, there's a lot of conversations right now about um, what we're teaching our kids in school and what we're, what's being left out and, and how much even that white supremacy still plays a role in what is being taught and what isn't, what's a valid historical record and what isn't uh, from an educational you know, perspective um, and, and doing that. So yeah, no, like I'm, I'm definitely uh, gonna take some time after, after we're, we're done with our conversation, just kind of continue processing some of this because, and I'm sure we're gonna have an episode about elite, what it means with white proximity and uh, even just maybe dig into it a little bit even as before we, we close out here. But I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, I'll just be curious kind of as we continue talking, Grace, like if, we, if we're able to kind of pinpoint a little bit as to where that that whiteness, that concept really comes from, you know, and, uh, and who depicts it, right? Like who decides that, you know, where where is it coming from? Is it a religion point of view? Is it just a, a man-made? Is it just men, the patriarchy? They just kind of said, this is what it's going to be. Um, oh, great. Yeah, we haven't even talked about gender stuff, right? Yeah, Do we have talking. another whole half hour? We talked about the patriarchy, but I'm, <laughs> I'm said, go ahead. I don't even know. Y'all go, y'all take the conversation though. I mean, I'm just thinking like in terms, I just literally, I saw an Instagram post earlier today that was talking about, I don't know if it was some uh, representative was saying about, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember everything he said, but along the lines of talking about history that's taught in school. And it's like, you know, talking about racism and um, discriminatory things, you know, really, he's, he was saying, really does a lot of harm and I'm just like what do you what do you wait you think talking about it just does a lot of harm there are people who are living this that yeah. is doing harm too and the fact that and that's the thing it's like I love history history is one of my favorite topics I love learning about just all sorts of things and again Grace I think I may have told you this like when I when we first uh, met it's like I didn't realize that the great migration was a thing I didn't know that even happened I'm born and raised in Mississippi um, had to come to Chicago and go to grad school where uh, a group of my friends at the time were reading uh, the warmth of other suns which is about the great migration from the south I was like what is this book and they were like, you've never heard of this. I've never heard of this. And the most African-Americans uh, that settled in Chicago, the majority of them came from Mississippi. This was not taught in school. I did not know this. I mean, if you even look at the history that they focus on, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's white history. It's whitewashed. Mm -hmm. Like they don't talk about the influence of Asian-Americans who've been in this uh, country probably since the fifth, like the 15, 1600s. They don't talk about uh, I mean, they have a little excerpt talking about, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but it's just a little bit, you know, let's not even get started on the, on the uh, Latino influences, um, completely disregarded, and the Native American, I mean, they just almost um, kicked the Native Americans out of the country. Yeah. And so it's like, where is this history? And the fact that, I mean, I know we've all heard about different schools wanting to teach black history versus not teaching like African-American history. And I'm like, 
what is such this big thing? It's like, you want to keep kicking this stuff under the rug, yet you're still treating people this way. It's like, you know, you want to throw the stone and hide your hand and say, well, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, let's not, let's not talk about it because it's not desirable. It's not proper. It's not, it's not clean. You know, it's not, it's not something that they want. I don't know who they're, I mean, and when I say they, I guess people in power, the white man, whomever, like people still living these lives and who are we hiding it from? There's no secret. People know how horrible minorities are treated in this country and abroad. It's just like, who are we, who are we running from? Like, who are they trying to hide these? Hide the facts. These are facts, things that have happened. Um, and for me, being a woman that was in my 20s, like I said, who learned about this, I was, I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, this is my home state. I have never, heard, my parents didn't hear about this. I mean, they might've heard whispers about it, but who knew there were all these books and so much information around this great movement out of the South to the North, nothing. We just didn't know about it. That is the reality that we live in, right? Like I think that's the reality that we live in as far as the, our educational system and how we mentioned it, it prioritizes the white history, right? And it prioritizes uh, and makes white people come out looking better than than anything, right? Like everything that they did was was right. It was their destiny. It's you know, it's their whatever birthright, whatever. It kind of just showcases that idea that you know white people just did it well and did it better, and it was what they were supposed to do. And it kind of erases all of the bad things, right? When you think about like. Why, why isn't there Native American, you know, history being taught? Because it paints, you know, white people very bad. Why isn't, you know, slavery and, and the ramifications and all that, what it means today, like, why is it that taught? It paints white people bad. Like, it just, in the, I'm sure a lot of white men predominantly probably just wish they can have a wand and just erase all of that and just be like, like, let's not even talk about it. Like, you know, and and, and do that and they've kind of done that at least in the United States you know there's there's no taking um responsibility for what was done to uh black brown indigenous people and uh in Asian uh as well I mean you think about World War II and internment camps and all was like there's just so many things that were done and nobody wants to acknowledge it take responsibility and they just kind of Instead of doing that, they just print history books that kind of make it seem in the little paragraph. If you're lucky to, if you're lucky that your your teacher might talk about it, if not, you kind of just gloss it over and go like, yeah, you know, we're gonna go to the next part. Like we we need to be concerned. It's in the did you know the did you know box at the bottom of the chapter. (laughs) Did you know where they have the American Revolution is like five chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we get it. We broke from Great Britain. Let's move on. There's much shit that happened besides the American Revolution. <laughs> One thing that that is kind of caught when when you guys talk about this is that's how power works, right? Unfortunately, that's how, when when mm-hmm. with power comes the writing and choosing of what is mm-hmm. historically mm-hmm. recorded, mm-hmm. right? And so. So that is not to, that, uh, and that just kind of came to mind as like, well, that's unfortunately how power works. But what's interesting is now we have this opportunity 
to recall history in a different way and to ask for it to be clarified. And I think that that's sort of what we're seeing right now, right? Is in these tension is, is to, is a demand for that to be, to be brought to light and to be accounted for and acknowledged collectively, right? And I would say that this is an issue, like we talk about this and again, I'm gonna go back to the Japanese and there has been in, in Japanese history and not, and I by no means know a whole lot about Japanese history, nor have I lived in Japan. Um, but, you know, my understanding is that there, there, history isn't taught in the same way either. And, and mm. the Japanese are retelling and, and there are things that need to be reckoned with and brought to, brought to the surface. And then how is it that we, how is it that we reconcile our history? Mm. Because like, yes, there is the, there is like the, I guess, who is going to be held accountable or all of these things that is sort of putting it up against, up against this, this power, right? But is, is that power today the same power that it was? Or is it a power that's trying to, trying to find a way to move forward? And how can we, how can we use that or bring that to us or be acknowledged within that as in, how do we going up against it and othering it is not going to solve our our concerns, right? It's not going to get us addressed. That's kind of partially what we're seeing or what we're coming up against, those tensions. How do we welcome the conversation so that someone, and not to say that we should white glove handle anybody, but like how to sit at the same table and have this conversation with someone with a completely different perspective and a completely different lived experience um, and someone who didn't single-handedly do something to either you, me, or anyone sitting at the table, right? And all we can do is sort of like reckon with ourselves and find that way to move forward and like without excuses for what has happened, but what is that? And I don't know that's kind of, that's what that kind of just started getting me thinking about was, you know, understanding that power has, power has paved the way to, to this. And now we're, we're trying to all shift and like reconcile the entire history because there are enough of us here that are, that are American and coming together as opposed to continuing to break off into our little, to, to stay in these boxes or whatnot, to really come out into the collective. That makes sense. I love how you continue to kind of push us to think about this collective. <laughs> um, and then, and I, I appreciate it because sometimes we, we do get so bogged down into sort of this is how it's supposed to be or like this is what we think should be done and in reality you know and I think I talk about it often of like you know we're only going to get there if we do it together you know and if we find those common 
that common ground and we find that sort of that collectiveness and you know it's gonna take all of us including white people um to kind of be at, 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 at that table at that round table uh i've always been a fan of king arthur and the round table so you'll see me kind of bring that up but you know that's sort of uh through equity right like nobody really has the head of the table kind of scenario um proximity to nightness no look at that <laughs> that was good. That was good. i don't know i don't know what it is about king arthur that was good Oh, that was good, Grace. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bringing the, the humor uh, to this. So, so many heavy topics. We, we know that we touch on so many things that uh, that can make sometimes your brain hurt when you when you think about it. It hurt a lot. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I've always kind of it just it it's such a, a great reminder to think that. Um, to really push against the powers to be, um, you have to do it as a collective and you have to do it in a way that um, is gonna push the boundaries, it's gonna push us away from these boxes that we've, either that we've created or that we've been put into uh, and, and figure out how to, despite all of that, just kind of find those common threads and, and, and really think about what it means to to you know fight against the powers to be and, and fight is such a strong word i'm not saying we're gonna go out there with swords <laughs> <laughs> it'd be very medieval i'm thinking i'm staying with my medieval name <laughs> with swords or anything but i mean we have weapons at our disposal that that can definitely you know bring we have uh, social media, we have ways to educate people that aren't the traditional sort of, here's a book, here's a classroom. Like, there's just so many ways that we can educate and bring really the truth to people and for them to, to make what they want of it and, and to understand it in their way. Uh, there's just so many community organizing that's just happening and it's just a matter of connecting those dots, right? And connecting that collectiveness I think of Chicago, like things that are happening on the West side are probably the same things that are happening on the South side. And like, how do we then bring them to understand like you are doing very similar work, very similar things. Let's learn from each other. Let's push forward together. Um, and then bringing our, our North side <laughs> counterparts into that um, as well. But Martina, I'll let you kind of go on. So, you know, I'm still processing too, but <laughs> after, uh... Grace mentioned that how do you get, I'm assuming white people in this instance, to see their accountability or to take ownership of things that are happening when they are not particularly causing that reaction or causing those actions. And that is the thing I've heard from uh, white people, men, men and women talk about, well, you know, it's it's not my fault that the things are the way they are. But see, to me that like that type of thinking is not gonna get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because yes, you may not directly have caused violence to someone or said something that you shouldn't have said, uh, but white people, they're still benefiting because just because you're white, that, that's it. Like that's what people of color are trying to get them to understand is that just because the color of your skin 
you're benefited way more at this moment in time than I ever will be mm -hmm. just because you're white. And because I'm black, I am considered less than just because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is that, you know, that we are still working on that. How do we reconcile that to get white people? Because like, we do need them. We need them to get to where we need to go. Um, so they play a role in this, like, like we all do. And, you know, I think it is so easy. I think because white people decided at some point was like, you know, well, you know, we're done with slavery or, you know, we give you the right to vote. Um, so we're done, you know, or we're going to give you reparations. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's but it's, it's true. It's like, you know, we're done go be better now, but it don't work like that. It's generational trauma that has continued to be passed down. And I would say it's generational trauma for white people too, because they're still, things are still being passed down from them about the way things should be because they're white. So we all eventually are gonna have to play our part in this. And listen, I think as you're saying, you know, we got to start somewhere because these are again these are really the issues like we didn't get here overnight um we're not going to get out of it overnight i mean i would love to see major change happen before i leave this earth uh, but i don't know if i will uh, I, I don't know because it's taken hundreds of years to get here um but i think you know the events of last summer with everything with george floyd you know, Breonna Taylor, and up, up until now, you know, we still have people of color losing their lives. Um, it, I, it do feel like there is a tide that's starting to shift a little bit. Um, and that, you know, white people, some of them are seeing the role that they play, um, even if, again, even if they don't, you know, claim not to have a racist bone in their body. Um, but again, seeing the role that they play but I think people of color, we have to be open to that too. I think a lot of us, I think as, I think as we talked in the first video, uh, or, maybe, or maybe even during our break, we were talking about, you know, just gentrification and the, and the beautification of neighborhoods uh, and what that could mean to communities of colors or neighborhoods of color uh, by wanting to have a beautiful neighborhood. You know, it's, uh, yes, gentrification can oftentimes come with that, but it doesn't have to necessarily be bad. Now, I'm not a proponent to gentrify things, but I'm just saying that people of color, if white people are genuine, we're gonna have to start letting them in because again, we're not gonna get anywhere by keep arguing and wanting to fight with each other, not, you know, maybe not fist fights, but verbally going back and forth with each other. Everybody's gonna have to recognize their role and it takes a lot. You know, we're gonna have to get off our pedestals and put our pride aside, you know, and really try to, really try to change this. Like, you know, hopefully 100, 200 years from now, you know, white supremacy will be in the history books as like how it used to be. And that mm. won't be the way um, that it is, you know, but I, I do think it is, it's gonna take a lot of time. It's gonna take a lot of time, but it starts with conversations, you know, like, like this with us, like community organizing, uh, you know, and we, you know, we got to get our policymakers too, because um, these policies are written down and regulations and they can be changed. You know, we haven't touched the uh, constitution 
we haven't really touched that, but some things are gonna have to be changed. Again, that's for another episode, but there's the things that are gonna have to be changed for the betterment of society for everybody, not just for a group of one, a group of white people or white people. It, if we really want to change this country. So I'll leave us with that. Yeah. Grace, as we've kind of talked through a lot about white supremacy and, and proximity to whiteness and you shared a little bit of your kind of your perspective of sort of the, the Japanese view of, of whiteness and, and, and where that kind of falls. How do you feel that has sort of, I know you shared a little bit in, in the last sort of like, you know, it's who I am, it doesn't matter if I'm American enough or Asian enough, but when you think of that like white, proximity or sort of that whiteness and the closest like how do you feel or see or, or has that impacted you in any way um that you kind of think it's has this sort of conversation made you think about your own sort of proximity to whiteness and what that kind of means to you a little bit more what it has me thinking about is sort of um and, and I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words it it has me thinking about how I, I don't cling to any one of any, any one of these identities or boxes, which I think we've spoken about. And something it, it's something within that that man puts me in a really weird headspace. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's almost like how, how do, I feel so, I feel privileged within, within that because I can't even speak to the freedom that it allows me. And it isn't by it, like, and the way that I think about it is like, how do I use, the space that I feel like I I can move within or or the things that I don't I don't identify within, the freedom that it releases me from or the the weights of that. Like how do I take that and and share that with and encourage others to to get up into that space too. Um, and I guess like that's sort of what I'm thinking about in terms of like what that proximity to whiteness is. And I'm wondering in my head, there's that little voice that's like, is that what white privilege is? Is that what that feels like? <laughs> mm. And, and, you know, and it is that, and then, and then I think about it and yeah, I don't know that that's sort of what it's got me thinking about. One thing that is now kind of caught in my mind about white privilege and privilege in general. Um, I want to share something that happened to me earlier this year, an exchange that I had with um, a, a white man um, that I didn't know very well, but um, was, was in a meeting with and had been starting a project uh, in, in the beginnings of a project. And he said something to me where he said, you know, I, I'm in a place where I walk into a room and people listen, like I'm, I'm acknowledged because I am a white male. And it is because of this that I know I can use this privilege 
to take what you're sharing with me and make it heard in a room full of other white men. And that is what I can do. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Like, he's like, because what you have to offer and what everybody at, in this conversation has to offer, I can package that and I can say it. And somehow because I say it, there's authority behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting for someone to directly say that to me and to say that like, I'm finding a way to get you into the spaces and like acknowledge you. And like that to me, it's not that I want or am asking any white person to, to abscond their white privilege or push or, you know, come up with, have some reaction against it and step away from it, but to use that to get other voices into the spaces that they need to be in, right? That they're not in. To look around and say, there's something that isn't quite right here, but you hear me in a way that you can't hear other people. And to translate and code switch in some way to get those voices heard and to get people seen. And I think that that's sort of that's sort of what I'm thinking about within perspectives is how to how to shift perspectives that are very very far away from all of this from one another. And again, I think that's the power of this 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 podcast and what you guys are doing, or yeah. I agree with you in the sense where I'm think I, I feel that, and this is why I, I say to back up a little bit, like we we need white people because of white supremacy. We need white people like this, like this white man you were talking about to help voice it because they may look at one of us and particularly because we're also women uh, and women already, they, we can't get much across anyway. And it's always hard for people to take us seriously. Because he is a white male and someone in, he recognizes his privilege that he can get things done a lot quicker than we can, just because he's white and he's a male. And I do, I think that is, there's not a benefit of white supremacy, but it's almost like this weird double-edged sword type of thing where it's not good that that is the way it is, but also it can be if he's using his voice or any or any any white person using their voice for the good. And this is why I'm saying this is why I think it's hard for minorities to often let white people in. But if they do have a genuine, like you see that they are genuine, they are really trying to help change the way shit is. You know, we have to almost kind of accept that in a way because our voices, you know, are starting to be more elevated, but we're not anywhere near where we should be. So we need people like him to help, to help the cause, to help, to help make other white males in particularly see, to help get policies changed, to help uh, get the right infrastructure or the right education for our children. Uh, we still need that help from them. 
which I'm yes. kind of ashamed of, I, but yes. Uh, yeah, so like, that's the thing is you, you said that and I'm like, oh, that's not what I meant to say. That's hold on a minute. Now I'm going to get yelled at in your comments. But but I think what it is, is it's, it's, it's where, where we can amplify and uplift the voices of one another, we should, right? And yeah. we, we try to versus like the othering or the cutting down of anyone else. Not that I think that's happening here. But I think that that was kind of what, what I was thinking was, oh, even for me, even for me, because, you know, of maybe it is because of my, whatever it is within my upbringing that allows me to be, to, to speak or be in spaces that I am, mm -hmm. how to, how to hand the mic off when I get there. And that's sort of that's kind of how I think about a lot of these things is, is how to do that and what that means. There's something that I, I, I always say is that there's enough space on the platform for everyone. Like there's, there's enough space on the stage for everyone to come up and be and, and talk. And I think you made me rem remember that, <laughs> that, I, that, I, I, that I say that and it kind of reminded me of that. Uh, where, where I can step away and let other voices come up and give their truth, their story, and and sort of do that. And um, and I think in in the space of changing policy, of changing systems, a lot of the time uh, it's white people having to lead that charge and and doing that. And I think that's where um, I think I see Martina kind of alluding to that where it's like, if we want that real systemic change, a lot of time, unfortunately, because of white supremacy, because of where we're at in this, particularly in this country, um, you know, it may not always be led by people of color. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, and that's sad to say, like, and you mentioned that Martina, and I think, but in the spaces where we are leading as people of color, let's make sure we're uplifting each other's voices and one another's to what, what you're saying grace we're like it's basically where we are leading the charge where we know and 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 be that example right of what true change of what true collectiveness is collectiveness there you go <laughs> is is really kind of making sure we do that and and you know it's no longer us modeling white supremacy or that proximity to whiteness or white better, but it's modeling what we know is right and is just, you know? And it's it's then these white spaces modeling what we have said, like this is the standard of what we of what we need in our society to bring real systemic change and things like that. So um, yeah, I, I don't know about going anywhere with that, but it was just what y'all kind of made me think about uh, and do that. But I think we're I think we're at a spot where we think we can wrap up a little bit. Uh, but I definitely want to give Grace a chance to kind of any sort of final words, final thoughts that you just kind of want to share with us, with with our audience kind of listening and watching. <laughs> No, thank thank you both so much for inviting me inviting me here and 
and having me here. And, and it's been really wonderful kind of thinking through all of these things together. I never, I almost never get, I actually never get a chance to do, to do it certainly in, in this type of a, a setting. So this is really wonderful. Thank you. And you will be back. This won't be your only time with us. <laughs> no, you will be. And I, I, again, I thank you, Grace, like, uh, from when, you know, I first, from when we first got connected and had that first conversation with you, Lisette and I, I mean, we're still very excited. We were like, oh my God, like, she's wonderful. Like, she, even, even on that initial call, the things you were talking about, just like over these last two videos, you really got me thinking just really got just, and you know, this is why we want to have this series because like I said, it's, you know, we are similar, but you know, we think about things. We may think about and process things differently. And you really have given me things that I, you know, similar to Lisette, I'm, you know, I need to go Google and, and like read about because it's just made me think about things, especially about whiteness and looking at it outside of the American point of view um, are things that, you know, kind of thought about but hadn't really explored until you brought it up so I thank you again for being willing to come on here being the first guest and just being so open to to share uh, with us and share and share with and share with uh, our our viewers and listeners as well so thank you again well thank you listeners and and the audience that's watching on YouTube thank you for we're sticking around and, and, and listening to us. And, and I hope that um, something has sparked uh, either a fire or a thought or just kind of you saying, you know, I'm gonna Google something or I'm gonna ask so-and-so or have a conversation of your own with somebody uh, and wanting to explore that. Um, if you have any questions, any topics that you think that you'd love for us to explore from this, uh, two episode series with Grace or open to it, please put it in the comments below or or DM us on our social media platforms and, and, and let us know. We're always open to conversations uh, with others and in other perspectives uh, as well. But we appreciate you. We thank you, Grace, again for, for being here. Like I said, this won't be the last time you're, you're on our, our guest. You're, you are a part of our perspective growing family as Martina and I kind of see it. Uh, so thank you all again. Uh, and you will catch us next time. Uh, and have a great day, evening, weekend, week, uh, whenever you're watching this. Yes. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.